we're not affiliated with Netflix. Welcome to KidFlix, the podcast for adults trying to definitively rank every kid's movie ever made. I'm your host, Ross Wiseman, and this show is not for kids, so turn this off and carry a pig up the mountain to drink from a lake and then sing to it. Uh, my <laughs> guest today, who just finished taking some bomb selfies, uh, he is the uh, the official brother of the podcast. Uh, it's Max Wiseman. Hey, Max. Hi. I think the title we'd prefer is Bro of the Pod. Yeah. Oh, that's snappier. Bro of the it's pod. like the Facebook. Drop the the. Perfect. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so, wow. It's been a while since you've been on. It's been so long that uh, you now have a child. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Um, since I last came on, I have welcomed a cat and a dog into my life. There's a no, human you child. Have a cat. Too. Because, that's true. Yeah, that's because true. I, she is yeah. a feline of the pod. Some, yeah, some of the earliest episodes were you away, and I recorded a bunch in your old apartment with the cat. <laughs> um, so we are discussing, and this is a quickie episode today, we're discussing Holes, the 2003 mm-hmm. movie based on the Louis, ooh, I don't know how to say any, either Louis Sakar, Louis Satcher, the author of the book? I, I have no idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have no idea. I know Shia LaBeouf. Ooh, pretty good. A lot, a lot of hard names there. to pronounce. So yeah, we're talking about Holes, the um, uh, pro uh, uh, like incarceration reform movie from uh, Disney. So I, we can get into it. I, yeah, yeah, I yeah. didn't have it as pro incarceration reform. I had it as subtly shining a spotlight on the ills of the prison industrial complex well yeah i mean because you you read the book i did i don't I, kn- I know it, both of us read the book but it's all at as as every scene goes on it came back very quickly yeah this is i, I can't think of the last time i think the last time we watched it was when blockbuster was still in existence it, it was on vhs and yeah. not disney plus but yeah just to this, date ourselves <laughs> that's true but yeah this is a solid movie i think we both have a lot of memories of it because uh you would have been 11 when this movie came out i was five years younger than that i'm pretty sure this was one of the first instances where i read the book loved the book may have even read it for school and then the movie came out and that was one of the first times i remember having feelings of like oh, i didn't picture this person like that yeah, you were like, oh my god, I can't believe that they got John Voight for this. <laughs> I mean, S- Sigourney Re- Weaver is really the the show yeah. stealer. No, she she rules. And I I had also completely forgotten. Like, I remembered the movie and the general story and stuff. I forgot the just general thing of like how there's this old curse. And I forgot the whole thing with uh, kissing uh, Kate Barlow. Patricia Arquette. Patricia Arquette. Dulay Hill. Dulay Hill. Really, that's one of my notes. It's it's a star-studded cast. Really is. It really is. For 2003, these are huge gets. Mm-hmm. And maybe a laughable get in 2022, but Shia LaBeouf was the child actor at yeah, the time. Yeah, this is his first movie. Oh, wow. I didn't Which is exciting because he was... This predates even Steven's movie. It definitely does. But even Steven's movie, I think, was a TV movie because I can't imagine them being. This was before Disney was confident that they could make the leap from TV to movie, mm, I mm, think. I'm glad they did. Yeah. Glad they did. Um, so it's a classic story of an unlucky kid uh, who accidentally gets 
sent to a prison camp and uh, he has to serve his time. And basically the whole thing of the movie well, is... Well, I, I would yeah. argue not accidentally because the criminal justice system works for and against certain people. And as we can see from his family's apartment, he is from a class that I would argue it works against. And I mean, as the movie goes on, you learn that the origins of this family's kind of curse, the Yelnats family curse, is that his great-grandfather, I believe... Um, had treasure stolen from him mm-hmm. by kissing Kate Barlow. And that set up their misfortune of losing money and kind of this curse with uh, Madame Zeroni. Right. There, there's the implication there that he's of Romanov descent, which which also has an implication about class and ethnicity there. Right. Well, they, they, he, they said Latvia, I believe. Uh, but yes, uh, it, it, this whole thing of... Yeah, weirdly deep. It, it's kind of like right. when you revisit Newsies and you can't believe that they kind of went hard on like actually discussing issues and being pro anything. Totally, solid. I, I, I don't, I don't understand the concept of revisiting Newsies because there's the implication that you've ever left, and that's a really good point. It's, it's I, constant. Look, carrying the banner whole... is is it's a it's a regular play in my household. Much to the chagrin of my partner. I mean, right. Any Anyone who knows my family knows we are a hardcore pro-labor, pro-union household. And Newsies is on the multiple union playlists we have. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also need to talk about the... We're just going to be jumping all over the place. We also need to talk about the uh, soundtrack of this movie. Because I think people uh, of our age, I think, remember, obviously, this movie as a whole. But they also definitely remember... The uh, song Dig It by <laughs> looking at Wikipedia, the Detent Boys. Sure. Um, and I I don't know if this is actually true, but I do remember them playing a music video. I remember. On uh, Disney Channel where it's like like that thing where all of the cast, they're like in a booth and they're kind of like pushing each other around and they're all like sharing headphones. Right. It's, it's the combination of like clips from the movie that are weirdly synced to the beat, but also they're palling around in the recording studio. They are somehow hanging out in a loft, even though they're 12. Yeah. I um, remember that. You're, you're right there. The D10 boys. Um, other other notable performers, we have two different songs by the band Eels. Sure. We all love Eels. Um, Eagle Eye Cherry is in this, but not singing Save Tonight, which is exciting. It's a move. Uh, and, of course, you can't have 2003 without Moby or uh, Pepe Deluxe. So Sure. That's what I always say. Yeah. Um, I mean, that that's my first note. The starting off with the rap is fire. And I couldn't remember if it was the movie came out and the rap blew up or the rap was how they teased the movie. But I, I really remember that rap. I wouldn't be surprised. It's got to be like two weeks before as the trailer's playing everywhere. Here's a little something extra. Shia LaBeouf and the <laughs> D10 boys singing it for you. Uh, yeah. It, the, the, the soundtrack in general is excellent. There's There's a lot of choices that could have been made in illustrating work camp-like facilities in a children's movie in Disney. And I thought musically, they did a great job with that. It, mm-hmm. They they hit the mark and it, it really would have been easy to veer to offensive, but I think they did a great job. Well, there, I don't remember, I didn't write it down, but they did have like one like Dust Bowl song in there, like a cover of like Down to the River to Pray or they something did, like that. But they did it in like that like, not reggae, like real reggae, reggae, like Bahaman 
reggae and I thought it was excellent. And now that I'm saying it, if Baha Men, if you're out there and listening to Kid Flicks and could cover some working class spirituals, I I would buy that album. I think that's really a good idea. I think so. Um, oh, we also forgot to mention like uh, Henry Winkler's in it. Mm-hmm. Like the the cast just keeps coming mm-hmm. in this. Tim Blake Nelson, who I love because he has a fun face. Eartha Kitt. Um, but yeah, like you're right. I was definitely surprised that this movie touches on, yeah, like the prison industrial complex. It also really touches on like Civil War era uh, racism, which again for a Disney movie, I wouldn't have expected that. And especially like the movie is set in Texas. So uh, the the South has a very complicated history back then with that. And uh, it doesn't mince wor- like, words at all. Like, I think when we were watching the romance between Kissing Kate Barlow and uh, Dulé Hill as Sam the Onion Man, I thought, okay, there, this is going to be, like, just kind of very, uh, like, sanded over and just very smooth. But... No, really clear that they're threatening Sam the Onion Man. And I think it also helps that uh, Louis Satcher, Sakar, who wrote the book, also wrote the screenplay. So he had a, there was a lot of control to keep in the themes that he touched on in the book and translated it to film. Yeah, I put, I put in there the, the racial overtones, both in the makeup of the kids at the camp doing manual labor and in the flashbacks between the interracial romance that is obviously ill-perceived by the rest of the town. I was curious to hear how, curious to try to remember how we read that in like the fourth grade. And current day, that's something we're very aware of and very, very keen to discussing. But I don't know how it was discussed whenever this came out in early 2000s, I would Early assume. 2000s, yeah. Um, and, yeah. And how it was perceived, both both the book and the movie, because it, it touched on it in a, in a fairly overt way that I don't really remember in other children's books, and I think that's great. And, it's, and also for the late 90s, early 2000s, it could have been a weird... Because a lot of movies that I've revisited for the podcast from this time, like, they're not, you know canceled or anything but they definitely don't age that well trying to be like you know what if we just all accept each other for our differences then we'll be fine but this movie is very much from what we watch just like sure all of these kids are at this prison camp because they were caught doing something but even the reasoning you hear like the one kid he took a puppy because the shelter that he went to they wanted to charge a thousand dollars for him to take this uh, puppy home and Allegory uh, for cash bail. Yeah, I mean, honestly, because and Stanley is caught for uh, stolen sneakers. Zero is part of that, and it was either you know prison time or eight a year and a half at this prison camp. And sure, of course, you would choose that. But then all of these kids are just becoming slaves to the descendants of uh, the evil bandit guys from the old west and south to find this treasure that doesn't belong to them which the other interesting part i noted is um in the court scene where the judge is telling stanley he can go to prison or go to this camp with other if if the child were middle class or upper class there would have been a lawyer there to note that that's not the only option 
and the family had said beforehand in the previous scene, like, we can't afford a lawyer. Like, the cops are coming in and just looking at their apartment, raiding it, and not really giving them any sort of due process under the law. Right. The quote I wrote down that really, like, took me because it's so relevant today and shocked me that it was written there is... Stanley writing to his mother saying, these aren't bad kids, just like me. They were in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. And it also speaks to, in general, that, yeah, people make mistakes, really stupid mistakes when they're kids. But um, in a way, this almost touches on kids being tried as adults for, and you see them all joking around that they're, they are just like teens, like they're pushing each other, they're farting and stuff like that right and and, and to uh, yeah. the to the larger conversation of like what is the role of prison it's if if it's for general re- genuine rehabilitation that's certainly not happening at this camp it's it's to serve this higher upper class person who's looking for more wealth mm-hmm. or and or looking to take what she believes is uh her right even though uh, it's not at all. I'm going to say it. The parallels between Holes and 13th are uncanny. Oh, boy. I said it. <laughs> like, I, as as well it can be written by uh, uh, a white guy from East Meadow, New York, like, it does go harder than anybody would have thought. And I think that's partially why the book won a Newbery Medal and is considered one of uh, the greatest like children's novels because it's talking about these issues. And I know he wrote a sequel called Small Steps about uh, Armpit. I did not read that. No. Uh, but I'm sure that it kind of touches on a little bit more than that. Um, but funny enough, we're actually almost running out of time. Um, what are some of the other notes that you wrote about this movie? Because I know you were furiously writing while we were watching. So I'll, I'll just read through. I have a bunch of lighter ones that I didn't touch on, which seems like a fun place to end. Mm-hmm. Um, starting with starting with the rap is fire emoji. That was just, it, it hooked me immediately. Shia was really a different class of child star. Like that, not only did it bring me back to like 12-year-old Max, but like, even Stevens was it. Shia LaBeouf was everywhere. So that in terms of Shia LaBeouf fun. projects, I was more on board with uh, Disturbia. Was more my thing. Mm, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the other fun one, Disney bullying, is just like I, I could do a whole episode. That's about a really that. good point. But right when right when Shia LaBeouf walks into the camp, the one guy goes, "Who's this Neanderthal?" And things no bully would ever say to anyone in real life are things I aspire to. But we did get, <laughs> um, I think we got an asshole, which, so yeah, uh, so yeah cursing. And it, it's also noteworthy that this, it's a, it's a Disney movie. It was released under a Disney banner, but it was produced by a different company. So I think Disney just picked it up to distribute it. So that also, I think, allowed it to kind of have this deeper, um, harsher edges than Right, because through Disney movie would. We also got um, a gun is pulled towards Shia LaBeouf, not on him, and he does an oaf, the implication of oh fuck, which they would never, but even that felt. Well, I mean, dance on the line. Nothing dance on the line since in uh, Spy Kids when Carmen goes oh shit, and then she says taki mushrooms. Iconic. Yeah. Um, I mean, lastly for me is there was only two I counted, but I know there's more. Um, a classic Disney break slash montage will always win my heart. 
I agree with that. <laughs> um, so yeah, and also full disclosure, yeah, this had to be a quickie episode because uh, we have a busy day here busy, being, busy. Uh, being people. Uh, but uh, we, we've we seen this movie plenty of times. We need to finish it eventually, the version, uh, the viewing that we had today. But uh, we've both seen it enough times that I think we can uh, yeah. faithfully uh, rate it. Max, on a scale of zero to five, what would you give holes? I mean, out of my five foot by five foot requirement of my hole i i say four and a half feet damn that i i don't know why i didn't frame it that way that it's it's why we're here together that's really smart um i i'm giving it a four i like i i was surprised watching it how much it had held up and like it doesn't fall into the pitfalls of like you know disney acting and that kind of thing it really held up i think i agree it was a it was a four for me what moved it to the point five was the rap alone sure you rate, you rate every movie based on if there's a rap or i not. do i do i'm a sucker for a good clean family friendly rap with accompanying music video which i will be watching as soon as we hit end record fair enough uh and yeah i'm yeah like i said i'm giving it a four Crunching the numbers, we're giving it a 4.25. That puts it right in between Coco and Incredibles 2, which... I'm good with that. Yeah. I stand by. I'm also good with that. Incredibles 2, better than I remembered when I watched it recently. Coco, it's Coco. I also think it's harder to make a quality, not corny, live-action children's movie. That's a really good point. And I think they did a great job of hitting that like family-friendly, but not horrible to watch as an adult median totally yeah like especially because i've watched so many recent like uh uh live action ones from like the 70s and 80s and they're, it's they're hard s- it's it's so campy and the fact that this is like still a little like over the top but pretty grounded it's definitely noteworthy but uh look this is a, a quickie episode max thanks for uh coming on is there anything that you would like to plug or promote i mean when you're done watching holes switch right into 13th you'll you'll see the similarities i stand by this yeah, sure. Uh, it was a good documentary, I remember. Uh, Holes? Yeah. <laughs> Ava's done it again. <laughs> uh, and, you know, rate and review us on iTunes. Yeah, watch Abbott Elementary. Uh, rate wherever you listen to podcasts and tell a friend. But that is all for today. We will hear you in a fortnight and go, go, gadget and show.